Makarov to Stokes, who's onside. Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Welcome. Uh, you have finally managed to reach episode 190, no, 109 of the Saints FC podcast. I mean, 190 would be impressive. Just skipped 81 podcasts for the hell of it. Um, Tom, how are you? You're back. You're yeah. here. Not that you went anywhere. We can't go anywhere. Well, uh, no, you, you, know, you can now have a drink, be it coffee, beer, on a bench with a mate. Can I do that? And he's getting yeah. made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can't. So it's sort of like same rule as the exercising rule, but now you can have a, a drink with. So you don't have to be exercising to meet with someone. Okay, so I could go out this weekend and sit and meet, sit with a mate, and if I drank coffee, I could have a coffee with them. Yeah, or you I'm- could channel your sixteen-year-old self and get a bottle of cider. From the offie, get yeah. a big bigger boy to buy one for you. Can drink that with a mate on a bench. Like a or like a bottle of twenty twenty, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Every, we used to drink. Everyone has their own version. Um uh Frosty Jack was the the one. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Um the, we we're also we're missing the big event of the night, which uh, our respective wives have gone off to to watch, which is the yeah. Harry and Meghan Oprah Winfrey interview. Do you feel aggrieved that I've dragged you away from that, Tom, and asked you to talk about Saints instead? I think when the viewing, I think when the viewer listening numbers come in, I think a few people are going to be surprised about how we perform compared yeah. to that circus. Um, you know, I just, yeah, it's it, surely there can't be anything more than been in the papers, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, we, we were just chatting off air about. Uh, did you ever watch the Oprah Winfrey Lance Armstrong interview when when that, or have you just watched the documentary since? I've seen bits of it when he's just like, he does this big confession, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, I mean, because I was. Yeah, I've been into cycling for a little while and I've actually got a photograph. So Sophie once rescued a Lance Armstrong life-size cutout from a bike shop and gave it to me for my birthday. So I had a birthday birthday breakfast with Lance Armstrong. And obviously there were rumours at the time. Um, But then when he did this Oprah Winfrey confessional, it was just like, boom. Yeah. um, Yeah. What? Terrifying man. Mm. Married to Cheryl Crow as well. Yeah, you know what they like. Lance Armstrong as a manager of a football club, I think, would be quite a prospect. Because when, like when, when, when you go around. back to what he did, for like his his doping was relentless. Is the whole organisation of everything the way he won those Tour de France's? Um, he just left no stone unturned, in, including all the potential avenues that were cheating as well but also he left all the avenues of all the other gains that they were there they're all, all there to be done he did the lot ruthless probably a yeah, psychopath no. but also i think maybe uh he if he's so industrious um yeah, it's a bit like when rupert lowball in sir sean woodward yeah, and he thought of all these Sir things. Sir Clive Woodward, yeah. Sir Clive Woodward, sorry. Who's Sean? I was a terrible MP, that a butler. Um, yeah, you know, he thought of all those things, didn't he? That, and he got mocked at the time, and everyone was like, there's no way rugby could work in football. But it's about that kind of, um, these things work no matter what. Because I think one of the things Sir Clive Woodward did at Southampton was he improved the player's peripheral vision. Did he? How did he do so, that? Well, it's like some sort of exercises where, you know, you strengthen your peripheral vision. Because obviously right. in rugby... You know, pass sideways here for mm. incredibly important, but in football, yeah, and obviously, Saints, you know, pass sideways, you pass sideways a lot. Um, so yeah, you know, these things mocked at the time, is it's it, like three, it's like throw in coaches, yeah, everyone Liverpool, Saints throw ins are terrible, and we get a lot of them, 
Yeah, it is true. I mean, Jacob Tanswell did a whole article on how dreadful Saints were at um, throw-ins, didn't he? Yes, he did. And it, and like everything Jacob writes, it was informative and very well written. Yeah. Um, right, so on that uh, note of informative... <laughs> <laughs> Let's go the opposite. Let's go. Uh, we've got two fixtures to talk about uh, this week, Tom. One was the loss to Everton uh, 1-0. One was beating Sheffield United. Woo! A win. It's a win. A win is a win. Um, so let's let's just cover off Everton really quickly and then we can just spend the rest of the episode enjoying ourselves. Um, yeah. And here's one for you to ponder whilst we're talking about Everton and Sheffield United. Uh, the Sheffield United game was Ralph's 100th game in charge of Southampton. Which seems like a lot to me. Yeah, we, we come on. I mean, I think, I think in his first proper game in charge was at Cardiff away. Oh. We lost... 1-0, Vestergaard, terrible. It was a terrible back pass from Vestergaard. Actually, now you've said that, Point, it does, maybe. does seem like quite a long time ago now, doesn't it, then? <laughs> that seems like a long time ago. There's been some highs. There's been a couple of lows. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think we, you know, on this podcast, I think we're very much a pro-Ralph podcast, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, let's, let, we, we should get to that at the end. And uh, we'll give a little bit of a review of where we think we've got to with Ralph. Um, was it, so let's get stuck in with the Everton game. Uh, Southampton haven't won at Goodison Park, with the exception of a penalty shootout in a League Cup for centuries, since uh, Kevin Davis scored a wonder goal. What um, year was that? You know? Oh, uh, was it 97, Tom? It was 97. Yeah. Very good. There you go. Not just a pretty face. In fact, just, you know, don't have a pretty face. But anyway, there we go. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't feeling particularly confident about this coming off the back of loads of really bad games. Um, mm-hmm. Everton, who are flying high again. Um, it's funny to think that we were sort of up there with the great pretenders um, until this awful run started. And... Um, yeah, true to form, Richarlison always scores against us and he gets his business done early. Yeah, and I think you knew, I was shocked when we lost at Newcastle. One of the things that surprised me was I heard a statistic that Southampton's record uh, against Newcastle, or I think is the worst of any team that we've had, we've got in the Premier League, or, really? or certainly away at Newcastle. Um, and I was amazed, I thought I was Everton, because Everton, we never get anything. Mm. Um, and then you saw the lineup, and you saw, you know, Bednarek playing um, at, at right back, and it, it, you know, it Stuart just Armstrong it just, in the Romeo position. I Stuart mean, that was Romeo position. It just did seem a bit like it wasn't going to go for Saints, didn't it? And I think, you know, then, then if you think, well, who does what sort of players do Saints really struggle against? They struggle against really aggressive, big, strong centre forwards and Everton have got two of them mm, that's um, unfair isn't it it is unfair more than, we, we can't handle one so to, to play two against us is real real horrible stuff and um, yeah it, the game kind of went exactly as you thought it would didn't it we, sort of yes and yeah I, su- I suppose yes and yes really I mean Richarlison got the early goal Um we had all those anxiety-inducing offside trap free kicks. There were about three of those in the first half, weren't there? Yeah. Which I know is a VAR tactic. Um, and Ralph trying to make the best of what I've. Yeah, Tom, I, I've come round to the dark side now. I'm back in the. I'm in the Stone Ages. I'm anti-VAR now. I, I thought it was going to be a good thing, but it's not. But that's one of the areas where Saints use VAR to their advantage isn't it because they know that if there's a fractional offside it's going to be called offside so they hold the high line knowing yeah. that the chances are that one of the attackers is going to break that and then then they're going to get punished but I mean it's it's hard to watch though isn't it offsides in general are terrifying now aren't they but with with linesmen not mm. calling the game back until the attacking process has, has finished it, the whole it is real anxiety-inducing stuff. And also, McCarthy is never really, I don't think, as good on crosses as he 
probably is that shot stopping Forster is like vampire, he bloody hates a cross, and it is a bit hairy. Um, but like Touchwood, I'd say this, and it's definitely now we'll see the government on Wednesday. It does generally seem to work, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've started to get to the point now where if Saints concede a goal from that, I don't get annoyed because I just, I'm expecting the offside to be called by VAR. Yeah. But I can see my, I mean, my dad from his reactions on the WhatsApp chat that we have about Saints, he's definitely not got used to it yet. Yeah, I mean, it is a kind of... And and, and he has a heart condition, so Saints, I mean, just (laughs) consider this, okay? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it is a, it is because also we leave so much space, don't we, for the players to run into. Yeah, it, it's almost like when sooner or later someone's going to get it right, and when they do, we're going to look very silly. But it, it, it saves our bacon a quite a lot. Yeah, I, I think probably there is at some point someone will do a sort of short free kick or something, and yeah i don't know how they'll work it but there'll be some way of taking advantage of saints from that um so well i mean we we had that um i don't it wasn't like a thrilling match was it this game i think there were two shots in target in the entire game um and saints had some better chances in the second half when we were chasing the game trying to get the equalizer but i don't know tom did you ever feel like it was going to come the equalizer it it would have been pretty tough on Everton, wouldn't it? Um, if for Saints to have got anything from that game, I think what was the closest we came? Was it Bester Guards sort of falling over Bambi on ice uh, shot? Um, and that was until what the eighty seventh minute. Yeah, I mean, you also had the Gineppo chance. Do you remember this one? Bearing down and goal from the right hand side. It was after uh, a really nice bit of Saints play, and then he just sort of flashed it wide. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. We didn't really test. Uh, we didn't test Pickford, did we? Until the 87th minute, we just no. seemed a bit impotent. Danny Ings looks off the pace, um, as he has done now. Let's be honest, for quite a while. Um, we just we didn't really look at the races. Almost like we went there, we conceded. And then we were just kind of content to see the game out 1-0, mm. which is a very strange attitude. Yeah, Because Everton was three on the bounce at home before that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's still about the 80th minute or something, which is when we sort of started apparently trying. It, it was it was pretty... It was bad without being dreadful. Um, and there was some promise in there, but probably not enough to get excited about. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't tell you anything new, did it, about Saints? No. I mean, it, 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 I mean, Benderek isn't a right back. We know that he looked very uncomfortable at right back all night. Uh, even Salisi looked a bit shaky. Um, but then, you know, pound for pound, is that right now the best front two in the Premier League forwards, Richardson and, um, you know, maybe apart from Simon Kane, Richarlison and Cavalier are probably the two best forwards in the Premier League as, as a strike force. So it's no surprise saying it's had an uncomfortable day. And as I say, those sort of big, aggressive, fast forwards are the players that Saints just hate playing against, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose if we're going to learn one lesson from that is that Armstrong did okay in the middle? yeah. Um, so that's perhaps an option going forward. Armstrong, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he's at Saints next year. He's so good, yeah, isn't he? He is so so brilliant. I, I just think one of the the bigger clubs are going to look at that and think, oh, Tom, let's let's not start talking about that. I hadn't considered Armstrong leaving. He's just so handsome. But, you know, he's going to cost you a few quid to get, isn't he? I mean, He's going to cost you more than seven million quid, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I, I think he's a great... I think he's probably player of the season for me. Yeah. Well, I, I think we might come on to Armstrong quite a lot in the next game. So should we get on to beating Sheffield United 2-0 and enjoying yes, a victory? That's what, that's what we want to talk about. A rare victory in the Premier League. So first one since uh, that night when everyone else was doing something... Is it, yeah, this evening is quite similar to that evening. Isn't it? It's a Monday night. Um, I'm watching. You know, we're 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 focused on Saints, and the whole rest of the nation is focused on something else. 
yeah, that, that night when we beat Liverpool, this was the first Premier League win since then. I mean, obviously we've had some really good FA Cup wins in between, but it does feel like a long time, doesn't it? Yes, and not only a, lo- a long time, but um, you know, we were we, well that Liverpool game. Sorry, <coughs> we were like six points off the top of the table, so everything was so different. Yeah. You know, we were, we were we were contenders, John. Well, someone shared that sort of there was a graphic from around about that Liverpool game where it's like the title race, and there's a picture of James Ward Prowse in amongst, you know, a picture of Salah and um, you know Jamie Vardy and Kevin De Bruyne, etc., as part of the title race, and then. There was also a graphic from Sky Sports saying the relegation battle, and there we are again. Um, so, I, I mean, admittedly, in between those two graphics, we managed to pick up one point from an available 27, which is not a great run, um, it has to be said. And But, you know, this, this game against Sheffield United suddenly felt very important because they really are down on the dump, Sheffield United. And we had a lot of players back which we knew would be very, very important. So Diallo coming back in, um, which frees up Armstrong to go back to his normal position. Carl Walker-Peters coming in at the right back, which is so, so important. And Minamino back in the, the side as well to add a little bit of um, attacking flair. I mean, Tom, what, what did you make of the lineup here? Yeah, it felt like the boys were back, didn't it? For the first time in about six weeks, it felt like we'd actually been able to feel the lineup that wasn't far from our strongest. I think Diallo... Admittedly, had a pretty awful, certainly first half against Sheffield United, but he's a really, really talented footballer. Um, we spoke last week about, or week before, about how Saints in their sort of relentless quest to farm their only fullbacks, only reserve fullbacks out to the Championship teams, have made themselves so much worse. Yeah. Um, and Carl Walker Peters is just such a, an important, brilliant footballer. And you, you tweeted that amazing stat, John, about our record with him in the team this season to him without and is it he's lost one game or something that he's played in or something no, crazy I mean we, we've uh, he's lost a few more because he's been involved in a few more um, than that but it was something like all of our points in the Premier League have come in games with him in with one point being the exception so he's had like seven games where he hasn't had any part in, in it and we've got one point from those games yeah He's vital for Saints. Vital, vital, vital. He makes Armstrong better, and Armstrong's possibly our most important player, I think, now. Um, the lineup looked positive. I think after the run Saints had had, you were kind of praying for a team like Sheffield United, weren't you? Or like a West Brom to be put in front of them. Um, you know, we needed that. If this game had been Spurs away, uh, then it wouldn't have been pretty. And I think when you saw as well the Sheffield United lineup, um, they've got no, none of their first choice centre backs. They've got a completely made up back five. Uh, um, their forwards, you know, they spent forty three million pounds on Rian Brewster and Ollie McBurney. I mean, that's yeah. astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that. I mean, we don't really talk about other teams, and we shouldn't. But um, you know, Saints get a lot of stick for their recruitment. But twenty three million pounds on Rian Brewster, and he'd never scored a goal in the Premier League. And he hadn't scored that many in the championship either. Um, it's kind of bonkers money, isn't it? It's sort of money like Dominic Solanke money. That the you know, in terms of terrible spending, Bournemouth and Sheffield United are up there. But um, it looked like the game was there for the taking. But we were still a bit wobbly, weren't we, at the start? Which I think is understandable, really. Um, yeah, I think they're a better. They're not a bad football. Sheffield United are weird because they're not a bad they don't seem to be a bad team like it was weird to work out I mean they're not scoring any goals um I think that Bernie and is that because they spent um 43 million quid on Rian Booster and the the, the funny thing is they've spent 43 million pounds but they're really their first two strikers are like a 36 year old Billy Sharp or 34 year old Billy Sharp and Dave McGoldrick yeah um but even players like Fleck, they've got real ta- he, Fleck's a real talented footballer. Um, but it was a bit of a cagey start, which you'd expect. Tom, can I just go off on a little bit of a David McGoldrick tangent here? 
Yes, go for it. So, I mean, most Saints fans that are old enough will remember David McGoldrick probably for some pretty impressive League Cup performances. What was there one where he scored a hat-trick against Mansfield or something like that early on or maybe got a brace? And um, he looks so different. Yeah. I've got to admit, I haven't followed his career since he left Saints. Um, But my God, he looks like a totally different human being. He's really, really grown up. Yeah, he's pretty hench. Yeah. Um, He's a good footballer. I mean, um, Chris Wilder said he's the best player that he's ever signed. The most, you know, the best signing he's ever you know, done. I think he um, he he looked pretty dangerous against Saints, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he really did. Um, well, dangerous, but then also sort of pointing to those problems that that Sheffield United have, don't they? Yeah, which is they're very wasteful in front of goal, and they make really bad decisions when given goal scoring opportunities. Um, but, I mean, let's talk about the positives for Saints. Because we mentioned Diallo coming back. We mentioned Walker-Peters back. You mentioned um, Minamino. But the real star player wasn't any of those, was he, John? Well, no. I mean, the the, the star of the show from the off, really, was Nathan Teller. He was um, absolutely fantastic, I thought. He was unplayable. Well, I mean, apart from the very first time he sort of was heavily in in the game was when we had that free kick which sort of bizarrely Ryan Bertrand took from the left side do you remember this yes and it fell quite nicely for him and he just sort of swiped at it and and air kicked it but then everyone had forgotten about that because Danny Ings went off injured a moment later um that was about the last bad thing he did in the game and then everything else was just brilliant wasn't it yeah, I mean, he. It's, it's good to see Saints. Uh, I always like it when you see when someone has a clearly defined tactic to try and win a football match. I think earlier this season, Saints did that really well um, against Everton at home. You remember where they targeted, was it Ben Godfrey, who was playing right back for Everton? And he's just definitely not right back. And they relentlessly hammered him the entire game. Um and, and this was kind of similar with the kind of makeshift defence that, that Sheffield United had to put out. And Saints had one kind of main tactic, which was get the ball, get Teller running, or just, you know, give Teller the ball. Mm. You got two players booked in the, sp- in the first, like, 35 minutes. He was fouled about eight times. Yeah. Um, and was just a constant handful. And I think in a minute he was, you know, he looked all right against Leeds, but he looked like he'd really stepped on here because he actually was much more aggressive, you know, and actually took players on and, and tried to get in behind. Did, did you catch up catch up with this stat from Ralph's press conference today? Nathan Teller in 70 minutes ran more than any of the players that played the full 90 minutes in that game. That is a good stat, John. Mm. I think yeah. that's sort of telling of the amount of energy that you put into that match. So, you know, if you're describing this game to someone who hadn't seen it, which I think pretty much everyone probably has seen it, there was so much energy, so much running directness pace um good skill from him as well it, and, and and actually if you think about it that's where our first goal came from was teller running at pace towards the sheffield united goal and ampadu making an absolutely dreadful tackle from behind um which so again this is another thing about var i, I told you that i don't get upset when saints concede a goal from a, a free kick where i know they're playing the high line but when Saints get a penalty like this one, again, I sort of don't react because I sort of, I think, oh, what's VAR going to find wrong with this? But there's there's nothing for VAR to say that wasn't a penalty because it was so clear. Well, the referee did delay though, didn't he? Yeah. He did delay and then I thought, and then what was interesting, I was watching it on the NBC stream, which is naughty, I know, uh, but they it did look like Ampadu gets a touch and it's only on like the third replay, which was sort of from the corner flag, almost like angle. You can sort of see that Ampadu actually gets nowhere near the ball. Um, But fair play to Teller, you know, obviously he had that penalty chalked off against Leeds. And I think, you know, because he played for that penalty and this, I think he knew he was away, wasn't he? And, uh, you know, in old money, 
Ampadu had been sent off um, as well as the penalty. But yeah, he just was relentlessly positive. And I think, you know, a player we've spoken about on the on the podcast a lot in recent months is Nathan Redmond. And I thought Redmond was dropped. You know, yeah, that would have been Redmond. And I thought, you know, the positivity of Teller compared to the kind of timidity of Redmond, who obviously is just completely devoid of confidence. But also, great run. But let's not forget, brilliant pass from Diallo. Probably is about his only good contribution in the first half, which is this raking ball as he brings the ball out of the area to find Teller. So just a really well-worked goal, because obviously Saints had a tactic, isolate the full-backs, isolate the centre-backs against Teller, and it worked. Yeah, I mean, I was going to call you out on, on that, Tom, for saying that Diallo had a poor first half, which, you know, by some accounts he did, but he was involved in the critical moment with that fantastic yeah. three-ball. And he's been out injured, hasn't he, for quite a while. And Sheffield United are big lumps, aren't they, in centre midfield? Yeah. And the UM probably not easy first game back. Um, but yeah, lovely crossfield pass, lovely run. James James Will Prowse doing the same technique as he does for his free kicks for his penalty with a sort of swinging the ball, swinging the foot around the ball type thing. Yeah, what's not to love? Yeah. One nil. And it, I mean, I think the reaction from the Saints players was quite telling. It was a cheer, and but it was a very sort of determined, come on, sort of. Do, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like a woohoo. Yeah. It was a like, let's do this. We're focused. We're going to win this one. Sort of reaction, and, and a and a sense of like relief and determination. I think kind of came across in the way the Saints players reacted to this goal going in. And it was, I know it was a huge one for me, Tom, just for, for tackling the nerves and making me feel like I, I sort of, I guess Sheffield United haven't really looked that great at any point during this, this first half. So when that went in, I just, I felt so much better about everything. Yeah. And I, th- I think you imagine this, uh, like professional footballers look at the people that they're playing against and they must know when they're better. Yeah. You know, they must know when like what they need to do because they're professionals doing a job and they must have thought, right, if we get a goal, we've got a goal now, a decent time in the first half. Sheffield United are not going to come back from this. You know, we're going to struggle to come back from this. And the more Sheffield United do try and come back from it, the more space the very pacey Saints forward line can exploit. And, and yeah, as it was. Um, but we had a bit of a hairy moment, didn't we, before the, before the half time? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, there's that McGoldrick chance which uh, Forster saves from close range, which is uh, later flagged offside by um, Sean Maciellis, who we've given some refs and officials some stick recently on, on podcast, but to show that we are fairing of credit where credit's due, she is always excellent. Yes, and also not afraid to put her flag up at yeah. a reasonable time rather than, you know, if she believes the decision is right, she puts a flag up which she normally does yeah she, she it, it, gets it, it right so two close off sides wasn't there there was a hit was there a header as well yeah from Sheffield united that was offside and she got that right yeah that was another one of our um anxiety inducing free kick high yeah. line routines wasn't it and then and then there was mcgoldrick when he tried to sort of eric Cantona chip it over forster but that that didn't quite work out for him did it no and that was diallo kind of playing a why? I mean, I was trying to think of another. It was a wild pass, wasn't it? Um, setting up Brewster, I think. And yeah, if you think, you know, if you're like four or five foot away from uh, from Fraser Forster, probably don't try and chip him. It's probably the lesson there. Like everyone knows, you know, he's not good at getting down on his feet, so go low. But yeah, but you know, we needed a bit of luck. Maybe we need, you know, you need that, didn't you? Because also, if they score that on the stroke of half time from a Saints error then there's a very decent chance that you're going to see a sort of trademark implosion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what Carl said, wasn't it, when he joined us a few weeks ago. It's like that's a goal which you take into the dressing room and changes everything at half time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, glad that didn't go in. Um, and then, then very quickly in the second half, things start to go uh, very well, don't they? Um, we get a sort of half chance. Adams is at the back post trying to play it across. And at this point, I think the... The chance is gone, um, but Bertram manages to block the clearance out. 
yeah there's a lot to do here john still what i mean that's the thing I, what i think is quite impressive about this is adams has now moved from the byline to suddenly being on the edge of the area armstrong has seen this movement it's coming back from a position which you know i thought he might have been offside but only having watched replays at the time I, I got to enjoy it in, in all its glory but he sort of makes it back chests it down to Che Adams but makes it makes sure it lands near to his right foot and uh, that half volley was oh, a thing of beauty wasn't it I mean what a hit yeah I think it was good um, watching match of the day on Saturday night because they had a really they, they, they covered it in quite a lot talking about it after the game and about how Armstrong's chest down is is perfect, isn't it? Like mm. he's such a good footballer. He's so clever, um, and he just chests it down perfectly. And then Shay Adams, like who knew that he had that in his locker? He, he's, this it was, and it had that beautiful thing that I think a lot of the best goals have, where it was rising very slowly. Yeah, you know, like a really low. What's the thing? Trajectory. You know? trajectory that's the one rather than going like straight up it's sort of going a really steadily increasing trajectory at about i mean i don't know how fast it was it looked about 90 miles an hour tom does this one count uh for making it into the thunder bastard category this is a thunder a foot like a, a, tr- a traction engine a traction engine yes <laughs> sort of only your bears a blast from the past do you remember him so hard i don't know how hard it was i think it must have been about 90 miles an hour i mean well let's go with 90 Chad, I mean, was 90 miles an hour. Ramsdale's probably quite glad he wasn't in the way of it. <laughs> I think if he'd got in the way, he might have just... Yeah, I don't know if the ball would have slowed down or if it would have just lifted him off his feet and taken him into the back yeah. of the net as well. No, it was brilliant. And um, his technique, as someone who's a terrible footballer, which is me, uh, his technique to do that way, he cuts across the ball. I mean, who knew the guy had scored in 17 games? You'd have thought that was like... De Bruyne, wouldn't you, or a, you know, or a Fernandez? But I mean, this is the thing with Che. The the way he likes to break a run is with something spectacular. So if you go back to his first goal uh, for Saints, it was that brilliant goal against Manchester City. Yeah, one of my favourites. Stuart Armstrong again with the assist. Yeah. Um. So you know, maybe and yeah, you know, good on Che because he had been dropped despite having, I think, a very good season for most of the season, he had been dropped because the goals had dried up. Ings comes off. He obviously wasn't planning on playing as much of a part in this match, but he's come on and he's taken his opportunity and and, and what a way to do that. Yeah, and I think, obviously, it looks like Danny Ings has got some sort of groin injury. I think he's going to be out until after the international break. So, so Shea Adams is now our senior striker. Yeah. Uh, and, and what a strike. And, you know, it, it's... I guess it's all about confidence, isn't it? And he now must feel that he's he's back and he can score goals again. I think he gets a lot of stick. I mean, Shea Adams hasn't been playing well, but no one's been playing well. No. No one's been scoring goals. Um, so, yeah, and he's an easy guy to take the mick out of, I think, but it was a brilliant goal. Did you, Again, I'm going to go back to Ralph's press conference from earlier today. Did you hear the analogy he used for Che Adams? And his goals. No, go on. A bottle of ketchup. Oh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so that like, he thinks that Chad Adams might be like a bottle of ketchup where, you know, you're hitting the bottle time and time again and then suddenly it all comes out at once. I don't know. It's probably lost in translation a bit. I mean, maybe that's the Austrian uh, equivalent of like a bus and then, you know, yeah. for ages and then five sharp at once. But he, did, he had a good run, didn't he, towards the end of last season where after that Man City goal, what he scored a couple against Sheffield United. Was it a couple against, a couple of, and one against Bournemouth? Um, yeah, there's no reason why... I mean, Man City is one reason why he won't, might not go on a run, but you could see him You could see him scoring some more goals. And he's going to have to, isn't he, really? Someone's going to have to step up and score goals in these, in these next few games. And obviously it isn't going to be Danny Ings. Um, although... Danny Ings has got, what, nine Premier League goals, eight Premier League goals? James Ward-Prowse, what, is he on six, seven? Yeah. Yeah, and that's, it's, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I think um, 
Yeah, Danny Ings is probably in danger of not getting a um, place in the England squad for the for the Euros. Yeah, well, he's not, now he's on his third injury of the year one, include Corona. Um, and you know, Calvert Lewin looks fit, and let's face it, it's probably down to Calvert Lewin or Ings, isn't it? Um, yeah, it'd be sad for him, but um, I, I don't think he's been at. He's not quite been there, is he, this year? I, well, I think especially since that first injury. I mean, the first half of the season he was great, and then when he got injured um, against uh, against Aston Villa, it's sort of been downhill since then, isn't it? He got that injury, yeah. which was a nasty one. Um, then he got he, he had COVID as well, didn't he? He did have COVID, and like a lot of players, um, they've they've struggled since they had COVID. I mean, Stuart Armstrong is now looking better, but even the glorious Stuart Armstrong struggled. So, yeah, I mean, who knows what's going on? Is it contract? Is it all these niggling injuries? Is it uh, this type of season? If you're a player like Danny Ings, this doesn't work for you. This type of stop, you know, constant season with very little preseason. Um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but we're certainly not going to see him again before the international break. Yeah, which is, we, it's a shame as well. I'd have quite liked him to be there for the game against Bournemouth in the FA Cup quarterfinal, but um, there we go. We will have to do without, and, and hopefully um, Chairdoms can do his bit. Um, hopefully, you know, Nathan Teller might get a couple of goals in that time. I, I thought he had one here as well in this game after that really nice run, and he... Shoots early, doesn't he? Gets sight of goal, get head, you know, fizzing across the ground. Um, but Ramsdale gets down and makes a really good save, actually. Yeah, it was. Um, it was again. He's shooting early, which is like quite a sort of Stuart Armstrong thing to do. But it was a really good strike, and again, they just couldn't really get near him, could they? He was just too quick. Yeah. He's too smart. Uh, and what's reassuring is I think he's done a couple, a few long range shots that have generally been wide. That one was pretty close. So the next one is going to go in. Yeah. Um, the person who I did think would score a goal would be Minamino if he got a presentable chance. And he, but he put it wide, didn't he, from 12 yards out after a really lovely bit of Saints play um, yeah. and build up. A rare sort of, you know, sort of gut-busting run that we used to see a lot of last season and before that from Ryan Burton, which we've not seen yeah. that many. Um, yeah, it looked easier to score than to miss for Minamino, for a player of his quality. Uh, but Saints were just hammering away, weren't they? Mm. Sheffield United looked, you know, like a box. You know when you see a box that's just been hit and they just want to be put out of their misery? Yeah. Sheffield- when that's what Sheffield United look like. They, they, they did. Yeah. And, and then we had um, you know, identical chances really for Adams and for Redmond, didn't we? Where Adams, if he squares it to Armstrong, that's sort of guaranteed uh, as a goal. And that came from a really good through ball from Minamino. And then Redmond gets another good chance shortly after he comes on. And this time from an Armstrong through ball. So, I mean, look at that. There's four good chances there after we're already 2-0 up. I mean, Saints should have won this game 4-0. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the worrying thing, that we don't kill teams. You know, we keep them alive like a cat bringing in a bird. And it's like, you know, we need, like, you should put teams to the sword. You know, like, you want to humiliate a team like Sheffield United like that. You know, like, you want it to be 4-0, you want Redmond to get a goal, you want Adams to get a brace. Um, and the weird, they just make bad decisions. You know, don't they? They, I mean, like, like Adams never looked like he was going to score. Yeah, and and Redmond doubly so. Um, well, you know, and that's two goals for Armstrong as well, there, isn't it? From that, I think if those two square it. Yeah, and they just you, you worry about the decision making process at times, but having said that, you could argue that you know if you go on like that, which is kind of a form of xG, then there's no way in the world that Shay Adams should attempt a half volley from 20 yards out either because they're not going to go in. So I guess, you know, if you're going to win the raffle, you've got to buy a ticket. Exactly. Um, we, I mean, in terms of talking points for the rest of the game, I mean, there was that horrible challenge on Adams at the end from Fleck, uh, which ended up with a little bit of handbags um, from the players. Forster also made quite a good block from a low cross. And the reason I bring yeah. up Forster is because, you know, that's, what five clean sheets out of six games he's played this season, and then and the he conceded one goal, and that was against Everton. 
Um, but he, he doesn't face many shots. And, and that, I think, is what is it that we do differently when forced is in that means that we don't concede as many chances? Do we just defend better? Well, he's a changed man, isn't he? He's completely different. Like that bit in the first half when he ran out to head the ball. Yeah. He would have done that before for Saints. And fair play to is it Dave Watson, the goalkeeping coach. They've just completely changed his keeping, you know, like his style completely. And they've turned him into like that libero style defender, uh, defending goalkeeper. But whether he just organizes people better, whether he's getting lucky, I mean, he's going to face some shots on Wednesday night. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I guess that's the acid yeah. test, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, maybe, I mean, also the fact that you know he he's playing with the right players in front of him. You know, in terms of Vestergaard and Benderet playing the right positions, and and Walker Peters and and Bertrand, I think he he looks to now be number one, which is interesting. Does that mean McCarthy comes in for the cup against Bournemouth? Maybe. Oh, I don't know, Tom. I wouldn't yeah. want him to now because I feel like Forster's on a run in the cup. Yeah. I mean, Forster is, he looks good. He looks in control. And he, he looks, I mean, he was a bit flappy against Everton, wasn't he, at times? Yeah. But he doesn't like crosses. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, Forster's not the perfect goalkeeper, but, you know, if he concedes one goal every six games... For the rest of the season, then so be it. I think we should take that. I mean, if that John, if, if he does that on a full season, he will concede six yeah. and eight goals, which is an incredible clean sheet record. I mean, can we have that next season? I'd, I'd quite like to go through a full season without losing nine nil. Is that possible? We just lose six nil once. Yeah, <laughs> we. I'd probably take that if the other 37 yeah. games had clean sheets. We'd win the league. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's assuming we're going to score some goals as well. Uh, who knows? Um, so, yeah, we talked about the Carl Walker-Peters stats. He's such an important player. How has someone who was like a sort of, you know, half-chance loan signing, didn't even look like he was ahead of Jan Valery when we brought him in, become such a critical player for Southampton? Well, I think he's um, he seems to have adapted like to Ralph Ball like super quick, hasn't he? Yeah. Which obviously is what he wants, but also Saints play the fullbacks. Obviously, we all know are tremendously important, um, and he urges them to get high up the pitch. But I think one of the good things is with Walker Peters is his ability to break an opposition press with his skill. Mm. Yeah, he can often like find his way out of pretty hairy situations when he's got two or three players going after him. And he sometimes gets it wrong. Um, but that gives Saints the opportunity to break and to, you know, to use all the Ralph terms, flood the red zone and, you know, double up on defenders. And he just seems to be so important to everything they do. I mean, there's talk of him being rested for Wednesday, isn't there? Just to sure he keeps fit. Is that right? Yeah. Um I mean, I, I would probably, I don't know. I just want him in there all the time, to be honest. I'd, but you, you you wouldn't want to risk him. I, I guess it depends what sort of injury it is and how much that was aggravated by playing the full 90 minutes against Sheffield United. But I am 100% more confident when we have Kyle Walker-Peters in the, in the starting eleven For all the reasons that you said there, Tom, he's so composed on the ball when the opposition are pressing. He can drop the shoulder. He can do a really sort of decent close quarters pass. He can dribble it around a player. And he gets forward well as well. So, you know, he, he's got it all. He is the complete modern fullback. And it just doesn't work when we have Stevens or Bednarek or Gineppo in in that position. They, none of them offer the same the same as, as Kyle Walker-Peters does. Oh, he's a unique. I mean, I think he's probably him and Armstrong and the two almost like the two most important with War Prowse probably the, you know the most important players for Saints. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, with the Man City game, if we rest him, it sounds like we're going to rest a few players. It's all fun and games resting a lot of players. But if we lose like seven nil, which Man City can do, then we're 
that you know, I guess this is the that's why Ralph's played the big bucks, isn't it? Because he now has to try and work out what we do. You know, how do you, do you go to Man City knowing you're probably not going to win, but you just don't want to get murdered, but you also got to try and give your players some rest ahead of, let's face it, a massive game this coming Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it's the most important game of the season so far, is it? I think so, because it's the chance to, let's face it, if they don't get tonked by Man City, yeah, it matter. Like, you know, as long as they don't lose like four or five nil, or even four nil, you know, like as long as it doesn't hit sort of five and above, it'll be fine because as long as they can come back and win on Sunday, because then we do enter into a run of winnable games. Yeah. You know, we've had a horrible run of fixtures and then, and then the runs that remotely were slightly easier, we completely fudged it. So now we get a chance to kind of build some momentum with these games. We're not going to get anything at Man City, but you could see us getting, we should beat Brighton surely, shouldn't we? Um, yeah, I, th- I think we should. And I, I think if we do, that is a big, big leap towards uh, Premier League safety, basically. Yeah, I mean, Brighton are interesting because they don't score many goals um, and they concede a lot of uh, goals late in the game. That is a problem for football teams, isn't it? Conceding a lot and not scoring many. That's Sorry, man. Fundamentally... You know, in my book on coaching, yeah, it's one of my chapters is score more than you can score, see. Score more than the opposition, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it's a big game. Yeah, I mean, we're sort of like gazing into the future here. Man City, I'm not expecting much from, even less so if we do end up resting quite a few players. I wonder if some of that might be lulling, trying to lull Pep Guardiola into resting some of his. Um who knows? Yeah, they'll only be able to bring on another eleven internationals if they do a full squad rotation. Um, Did you see their on on Sunday, by the way? Oh, was it when they played at the weekend? But yeah, bench it was. It was insane. But they did lose. Yeah, I, what I thought Tom was going to happen was that we would lose to Sheffield United and then somehow end Manchester City's run with some sort of jammy one-one or nil-nil draw. Um. But yeah, Man City's run is over, so let's hope that they can start a uh, long run of defeats. If it bleeds, we can kill it. And, uh, you know, Man City, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, who knows? I mean, are they going to be thinking if they lose against Saints, the title race is on? Surely not. Yeah, I don't know, maybe. It must be weird, though, isn't it? Because it's, everything there is Man City's to lose, because anything but a resounding victory is not good enough. Yeah, yeah. We're saying pressure. Right, so so let's let's talk about Ralph Hasenhutl. He's been with us hundred games now. Uh, he took over from Mark Hughes. You reminded us of his first game, which was that dreadful one 0 loss at Cardiff, um, which was then followed up by a three two victory at home to Arsenal. Was that with Charlie Austin getting a goal in the last minute? Charlie Austin get there's two brilliant Danny Ings headers. Yeah, uh, with um, Matt Target doing some incredible crossing. Um, and then, yeah, there was that great sort of stupid Sunday league goal that Saints scored at the end where Shane Long admittedly floats a delightful ball, doesn't he, to the back post, and Burt Leno just completely misses it and just sort of hits Charlie Austin in the head and goes in. I mean, that's when you... you know, Ralph was super passionate, wasn't he? And he was super pumped and they gave everyone a free beer at the ground and, yeah. you know, you kind of felt that, like... It was he was onto something. It was a little bit of um, I mean, he came with this sort of promise of rock and roll football, didn't he? And um, you know, he uh, I, I can't remember what he. I remember some of the quotes he had. One of them was that you know, if you want to guarantee you can buy a washing machine, and so he wasn't he wasn't going to like nail his colours to the mast and say exactly what was going to happen at Saints, but he did promise exciting football. I mean, he promised football that would get the fans out of their seats, which um, unfortunately there's not been fans for an awful lot of Ralph's reign. But it's, I mean, it's been interesting. If I was going to say, you know, Tom, what's your best Ralph memory from the last hundred games? Oh, um, can I can I come back? What would your what would yours be? 
I think um, beating Man City 1-0 last season was really good. But probably, more importantly, was was beating Leicester away. Yeah. Yeah, I think... I, I think my my favourite, I think, isn't like a big game. I think the Newcastle game this year, and the reason why I really enjoyed the Newcastle game, obviously the first one, not the second one, was because it was... I like when the press really works. Mm. You know, so you can see that rather than like some incredible goal or amazing bit of sublime skill that wins the game it's just pure energy and commitment and the drive and the passion and the players wanting it more and i thought that newcastle game where we went top where we just tore them to pieces and they couldn't get out of their own half i love that because i you know there will be other games if i think about it more but i love the way that it kind of exemplifies what he's trying to do yeah, and that's a good point as well. The, the fact that that resulted in us getting top of the table, even if it was just for 48 hours. Well, that was an important moment, wasn't it? It was a taste of the possible. Yeah, and, and yeah, he's in the entertainment business. And, and Saints, you know, yeah, we've had a bad run, um, but we were entertaining. And I think it does kind of, I do question a lot you know you see saints fans on twitter maybe it's just a sort of vocal minority about like you know ralph's had it he's got to go but then i mean surely that's madness i mean he's i can't think of a manager in a short period of time in the you know probably since strachan that's you know maybe kuman but i think kuman had better players um that's left such an impression on the club yeah yeah, well, I mean, it, that that's the thing. It's, it's certainly been a sort of all or nothing, hasn't it, with Ralph? It, it's like you're either, you know, you're, you're in. That's it. It's it's like if you're, if if you're, um, he's all encompassing, isn't he? Like the, there is one way to play football under Ralph. It's plan A or plan A harder, um, which is. You know, maybe one of the advantages, but maybe one of the faults of Ralph as well. But that's, it's, you know, if if we go back, like who who are we going to have instead of Ralph Hasenhutel? Um, mm. You know, Kelvin Davis was caretaker mm. manager for a match. I I don't think we'll see him uh, step up to be a long term manager. We have Mark Hughes before then that didn't work out well. Uh, win percentage of eighteen percent. Is what Mark that's, Hughes had. God, that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, twenty-seven games, we won five, and we still weren't relegated. Jesus, yeah. awful. Pellegrino, God, that was dreadful. That was bad times. Claude Puel, which um, so his his win ratio thirty-seven point seven percent, League Cup final, finished eighth in the league, but it was sort of a slightly inflated position wasn't it I think under Claude Puel because well, it, it was well, close it, wasn't it it, it it was close but I, this is the thing isn't it people say well you know that sort of thing there it's an inflated position it's sort of like when people say well they're too good to go down you're not mm. you are exactly where you belong to you you're exactly you are generally where you are meant to be aren't you and that's yeah. you know, the eight game season and I Puel you know we were at Wembley that was a great day out he gets he just got a lot of stick not not that day but just in general and I, I think if we'd have I know the benefit of hindsight of course but obviously the the horror a couple of years after that I think most Saints fans would have loved to have kept well no if they'd have known what was coming down the track in terms of the two probably our most inept managers since like um what's that Port Vett Mark Watt Port Vett yeah, so Ralph is, yeah, he's going to have his critics, but this, I think this is the nature of, of his style, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not divisive, it's certainly, it's, it provokes opinions. Mm. What can you say anything about Hughes or Pellegrino? Like, can you remember anything positive about that time? I genuinely can't. I mean, Saints were, under Pellegrino, they were awful. Yeah. No, I mean, the only thing that I can say good about Pellegrino is that during that time I was invited to play against him at Staplewood, which was a fun day. But um, 
He was a bizarre guy to interview. I've got, I've got to say that. I mean, if, if we go back, like let's have a look. Ralph's um, win percentage after a hundred games, which is obviously a very easy time for me to figure out a win percentage, is thirty-eight percent. So thirty-eight games won um, at present. The last two managers that have had win percentages like that, so Claude Puel, 37.7, and Pochettino, 38.3. So Puel and Pochettino actually had pretty similar win ratios. And I don't think anyone looks back at the Pochettino era and thinks, God, that was a dreadful time. So he's got virtually the same, well, identically, the, the same rate, apart from a sort of rounding error, the same ratio as... Pochettino. Yeah, Ampwell. Ampwell. And what are we looking at with, with Big Ronald here? 48%. I so mean, that's, he, he is leagues above, really, isn't he, in win ratio? Yeah, and that's the difference. I mean, that's but that's like having a van. I mean, the players we've got, the players we had, I mean, Van Dijk and Mane, two are probably the best 11 players on the planet, and we had them at the same time. Mm. I mean, we also had Shane Long in peak Shane Long under yeah. Kuman, didn't we? And Pella, who was unplayable. Tatch. Bitch. Fonte. And some really good players. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, it was... Um, I, I'm the big fan, of, as you know, and I think you are a huge fan of Ralph. And I, I think it's easy to call someone's head, but think about who you're going to get. Like you, your point, I mean, there's no one out there that you'd want. No, I mean, if, if any listeners do have a suggestion um, for who you would replace Ralph with, saintsfcpodcasts at gmail.com, perhaps we'll have a, a look at them. I think on the balance of everything, um, yeah, it's easier to say this after we've had a win. If we'd lost against Sheffield United, perhaps we'd be thinking, oh, you know, where is this going to go? Um, but I, I think at this point, if we... Yeah, if we can progress into the semi-final of the FA Cup, if we can beat Brighton, then I think you're going to be looking at another year in the Premier League, um, a semi-final of the Cup, hopefully a final, and who knows what would happen after that. Um, I think that's acceptable, isn't it, for a Saints manager? I mean, with the squad that we've got? Yeah, I mean, this is an exceptional season as well. Uh, and, you know, this is a season which doesn't really play to Saints' strengths because Saints seem to expend a lot of energy. You know, the style of the Saints play is, is they expend a lot of energy. And now we're sort of seeing a lot of injuries yeah. as a result of that. Not just the sort of soft tissue injuries, but just Saints players are getting, you know, injured more than the average team. Um, uh, you know, if you said to Saints fans at the start of the season, you're going to finish 10th, which, you know, it's not implausible. We're two points off 11th at the moment. Um, and Leeds are currently losing. Um, you can you can finish tenth, and you're gonna be in the FA Cup. Say if we beat Bournemouth, which we should do, you'll be in the FA Cup semi final. And at that point, anything can happen. Um, anything can happen. And you know, say if we do get through to the FA Cup final, then that's a great day. Yeah, I mean that 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 would be amazing. I just sort of wish we could be there for it. Well, they're talking about getting ten thousand fans in, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, well, once you've given uh, the FA cronies their tickets, uh, how many how many Saints fans does that leave? A couple of thousand, maybe. Is that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, we need to sort of somehow pass ourselves off as professional journalists, Tom, and see if we can get in as press. <laughs> yeah, well, could you get your employer or my employer to sponsor the FA Cup? Um, no, I don't think so. So, I mean, it's not been a fantastic year for business, really, has it? I, I mean, no, it's not. But look, if we get there, we'll watch it on a big telly somewhere. Yeah, a massive fan park with a hundred thousand of us squashed in outside Wembley, <laughs> or that pub. Yeah, that pub at Wembley. Yeah, that weird, weird pub. Yeah. Well, we've got to get there first. We've got two games to do it. Yeah, exactly. 
Right, well, Tom, I mean, I, I think we've sort of hit the hour now. We've reached 100 games with, with Ralph. Um, we've won a game, finally. We've got a very, very tough game coming up against Man City and then a very, very exciting game coming up against Bournemouth in the FA Cup course final, followed by a much more, I don't know, easier, friendlier looking run in the Premier League. So hopefully things are looking up. I think so, John. Despite the best efforts of the footballing gods who hit us with injuries and weird things, we I think things are looking up. Okay. And uh, yeah, maybe it's all down to Carl Walker-Peters. Maybe it's just down to having players in the right positions. Who, who knows? Um, hopefully all will be revealed in the next few games. Uh, thank you very much, listeners, for joining us this evening. Thank you very much, Tom, uh, for joining me this evening to talk about Saints and to avoid the royal interviews. So um, do let us know what you think. Podcast at gmail.com or at Podcast on Twitter. Uh, thank you, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up after a couple more games. <laughs>